When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Before we start our actual discussion, I want to check in with you. When did we start planning the show? Wow. Back in June, like the early, no, maybe it was May. You're listening to Wit and Reason, and I'm Dr. Alexis, with a warning before we continue on with this show, because it does include mature content. So save the show on your Apple or Google podcast, Spotify, or YouTube to listen in when little ones aren't around. Because on today's show, we will be answering the question, what is a healthy sex drive? You can also bookmark the show page at witandreason.com slash healthy sex to access it and our other resources another time. We have taken extra time and care months to make sure we bring you an educational and tactful show about sex. Our wit and reason therapist, Ruben Steele, and I dive into drive. What's too high, too low? and even debate a bit about what's considered a diagnosable psychological psychiatric disorder. Ruben refers to the International Classification of Diseases, 11th Revision, a diagnostic health tool created by the World Health Organization, while I refer to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, created by the American Psychiatric Association. And instead of getting too nerdy here, you can find a list of clickable clinical considerations for sex addiction and compulsive behavioral disorders. What is a healthy sex drive is a tricky subject. Now, violating the rights of others is clearly harmful and unacceptable. But we're not here to characterize levels or brands of sexuality as pathological or bad. Instead, when it comes to your healthy sex drive, we would like for you to use this show as a guide to help you increase your ability to figure out what's healthy, sexy, and compatible for you. Welcome to Wit and Reason, hosted by psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. Dr. Moreno brings her expertise to providing smart and practical explanations on human behavior. Listen now as Dr. Moreno brings a little bit of positive mental health to your day. 
for this show, What is a Healthy Sex Drive? This happened before the monumental, historic Roe versus Wade overturned by the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. which is about abortion rights and healthcare rights, reproductive rights. And it is now also associated with our sex life. Right. right? <laughs> or at least with uh, the sex life and potentially the sex drives of those individuals who could be at risk for having an unwanted pregnancy. Right. So I was wondering if we could throw in there this this reality that we're all facing now, how um, even societal, political, um, legal issues can creep their way into our minds and sex drive. Yeah as yeah, well, and how that might be impacting people today. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's a big major decision, right? It has some serious implications, right? People have the discussion about sex and sexuality and sex drive more openly, candidly than before. People are talking about sex more than before, maybe. It has some significant implications, though, no doubt. Right. So on today's show, what is a healthy sex drive? We're going to be defining what is a sex drive. <laughs> a lot of people are always curious, like, is this normal? Am I normal? Right. <laughs> is my sex drive normal? So we would be talking about that as well. I used to teach sex ed. And the thing we used to, t- we used to tell the, the teens is that like, you know what, there is no quote unquote safe sex, right? Sex is always going to have risks involved. Mm-hmm. So we will talk about what are the healthiest steps you could take uh, to engage in sex and intimacy and nurturing your sex drive, that's something you're interested in doing. What's mm-hmm. the safe, safest and healthiest way you could go about doing that? And then Ruben has provided us with so many wonderful resources as well that we'll have on our webpage on witandreason.com, DC Radio. So Ruben, tell us, how would you define or how have you heard sex drive mm-hmm. defined? At least uh, clinically speaking, <laughs> professionally speaking. Yeah, so kind of on a on a basic level, just for most people in general or layman's terms before we go clinically, it's just a person's desire to engage in or participate in sexual activity. And so that desire can fluctuate from person to person, but beyond just the sex drive itself. So in a broad context, I want to look at overall like sexual satisfaction, right? So somebody could have a very high sex drive and be engaging in sexual activity quite frequently, but the satisfaction of their sexual life may still be low, right? And so that's kind of one indicator of the frequency in terms of the drive itself, but ultimately looking at what's the overall sexual satisfaction? Is it mutually pleasing? Is mm-hmm. are the couple having conversation about sex? Is there respect during sex? And the broader umbrella of intimacy in general. So not just the sexual act itself, but also broadly speaking in terms of what's the health of the overall intimacy of the couple emotional and physical yeah and so when we're talking sex drive it's almost like a a two-pronged consideration there's the frequency almost like quantity and quality right Right. (laughs) of sexual encounters or sexual interest right right now now the big question that we get from a lot of people is like okay am i normal what's healthy, what's a healthy sex drive, right? So if we're talking about like, okay, we're looking at quality and quantity, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's too much, what's too little? I mean, right, right. How, how do you help people navigate that? Yeah, yeah. So some of the 
experts in the field, they kind of give people a number. People are actually like, we want a number. A pretty kind of broad range, like once a week to once every 30 days. That's a pretty, pretty yeah. big window. And then anywhere in kind of in between. But also it kind of comes back to what does that couple or couples, like how do they feel about it? Like, are they okay with once a month and completely satisfied? And so many variables too, right? Go into that age, health, stress, location, years you've been together, you know, so many variables can affect a sex drive. But ultimately, if we're looking at numbers, we're looking at once a week. And so who, who deems uh, what's a healthy number and what's not? Is this like a a CDC or, (laughs) or association determination or? Yeah, I don't think it's, um, that's a good question. I don't think it's an actual organization. I think it's kind of independent studies that have been done yeah. um, by various experts in the field of sexology or sex therapists. I think there was a study done in 2019. And from that study, they determined uh, once a week was kind of the average in terms of for most couples and satisfaction. Yeah. Same with like the once a month. But I don't think, that, it's kind of hard just to put a number on it, right? Because right. the variables in each couple is different and likes and preferences are different. And that's what they kind of lean with overall. What's the satisfaction? And is the couple having conversations about the quality of, of sex and their interests and preferences to really f- determine and, and identify and define what's normal for them? Yeah. And I appreciate you mentioning that, like, it's really going to be a case by case, you know? So even right. if we do research on, okay, what's, what's the average for people? Um, there is that spectrum, right? There, there is people who just have a lower sex drive and then people who have, um, a higher sex drive and then everyone who kind of fluctuates in the middle and that's going to have been flow depending on what in the world is going on in your life or in the world or in the environment, what stressors you got going on. And so that's always really important to keep into consideration when someone's kind of doing a self check-in or even a, a relationship check-in on with what's healthy <laughs> is going to, is, is going to be a case by case. At least when, you know, when we look at like clinical um, diagnosis, what we deem as some kind of psychological condition or disorder, the key factor that needs to be involved for it to be technically unhealthy or a disorder or an impairment would be an impairment in functioning, right? Mm-hmm. So that seems to tie into what you're mentioning about like the, um, the satisfaction, you know, like, right. Hey, if it's less than once a month, but you're satisfied and, and you're, and you have a healthy open relationship and that's cool. That works for you all, then no problems. However, if, if your sex drive is low and, and it's impairing your functioning of what you want, what will give you a quality life, like engaging in sex more frequently, then we have a mismatch there. Right. right? And so that's really what we're looking at here when we're trying to figure out like, but really it's about figuring out, okay, what's working for you and what's not. Right. Right. Um, And then since we're talking about intimate experiences with other human beings, then we also have to consider the other person's wants and preferences. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So how do you work with individuals or couples, let's say, who are on the low end of the sex drive, and it's something that's incongruent with what their partner may want or prefer? Let's talk first about one has a higher and one has a lower. Okay. And then we'll break down scenarios for our listeners here, if that's... Okay. Yeah. So... It would really be exploring in terms of just getting curious about like, what is that about? Because so many variables that could 
impact that. So really trying to understand and pinpoint like what is at the root or contributing factors to that lower libido. Um, is it an emotional kind of blockage, right? So one partner doesn't feel uh, emotionally safe, right? Or doesn't feel comfortable. Or one partner may have a body image issue. So there's some insecurities, like they, they don't really feel comfortable in that regard. And so there's less likely to kind of want to engage because, you know, it kind of reminds them of what they don't like about themselves. So really trying to pinpoint exactly what it is, or could just be weight gain, or just another very variety of reasons, or it could be a health factor, or it could be a mental health factor. It could be somebody who's struggling with depression and just doesn't have an interest and just a low desire or no desire. So really trying to find out what exactly is the challenge or the issue. And then from there, trying to find out, is there ways to increase the sex drive, especially if that person isn't satisfied. Like they used to have a higher sex drive and then now it, it, took, it took a nosedive. They really wanted to kind of get back to where it was or even, even higher. Um, now it gets a little challenging if, the person, like one person is content with, hey, I'm good where I'm at, <laughs> right? Um, with this low sector, I'm fine. If we once a month is good for me, another person is like, wait a minute, I need at least once a week or multiple times a week kind of thing. So that's when it gets a little more, more dicey. But then kind of looking at, you know, from the standpoint of what can you do being willing to step out of the comfort zone and saying, okay, I may not have a high sex drive or engage as much as the other partner wants to, but because I know it's important for that person, I'm willing to make myself available in terms of connecting that way, in terms of kind of moving more towards the middle if two are kind of at opposite ends. Yeah. So it sounds like maybe like some compromise going on there and whatever person decides to engage in, we want to make sure that, that they're doing so because that is within their comfort and ability versus feeling forced or pressured or coerced. Yes, yes. Those are, yeah, yeah, those are not healthy for a relationship in terms of when there's coercion or pressure or feeling forced. Yeah. We want the person to feel respected and willingly of their own volition to engage. Yeah, because that, that'll kill a sex drive for sure. <laughs> or that'll kill like sexual interest. Yeah, it's going to kill a lot, right? In right. relationship too, right? Because just, yeah. That's yeah. Okay, so we, we talked about like the couple who's navigating, you know, maybe one person ha is in a lower sex drive uh, experience, the other person's in, in a higher, and that's an issue for them. Um, Before you go to that one, I just want to also add this piece too. So let's yeah. say there's a person who, I don't know, they're just really charged, just a high energy person, right? Looking for other like non-sexual ways to, to kind of discharge some of the energy, right? Yeah. And so it may not be realistic for a person who just, whatever reason, they're just driving just lower. They just kind of have the wire that way. Is there still a way for that person physically to do something with the partner or, or another way to kind of get out some of that energy as well to create more of a balance? Yeah. And I was also kind of curious about the label need in your professional expertise. And I'll share my thoughts around, around it too. It's like, how, how do you navigate this label of need when it comes to, to sex? Yeah. So I like the word preference. I mean, need is, is a strong, right? And so yeah. like food. I need water. We need water. To survive. We need food. Right? I need <laughs> yeah. clothes. All right. Yeah, need I need sleep. physical movement. I need right? movement. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, a person will not physically die like without sexual activity, right? Right. Um, but it's important. So yeah. because it does have a high importance, I think that's where the word kind of need comes in. Comes uh -huh. 
right? Depending upon the person. I like to think of it as a high preference, a little below knee. I don't know what that word would be. Um, but I guess preference. yeah, a high preference, maybe borderline on, on need because it just feels it can be like a strong drive, right? There's a, a strong biological drive and urge, which makes it feel like it's a must have, right? But Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many people, you know, currently are surviving. They're not connecting in any sexual manner, and, and they're okay from a physical standpoint, even emotional standpoint as well. Yeah. So I kind of look at it as a more of a high preference high preference so for some people and then for other people it give you like a, a low preference or like a, a <laughs> or some people still feel like hey it's really a need right some people really kind of in their mind they feel like it's that important that it's yeah. to them a need you know yeah. so. and i and i think that that language especially if someone has a lower sex drive and then their partner's you know describing it as a need it, it could that that's where like it, it could feel a little bit more pressured of like oh my gosh if i'm not like giving my partner like what they need like it, it feels like dire and like urgent right. and an emergency and it's like mm, maybe we should you know like right. kind of keep that part in check it's a very strong preference now let's talk about what if someone's high preference for a high frequency and high quality sex life is just completely incongruent with their partner and the partner's not down to meet that or or can't meet that what how, how do you navigate those really high sex drives? And then we could start talking about like compulsions and right. whether or not sex is an actual like addiction. With the person that has a high sex, sex need, really try to understand, right? That person's view on sexuality and sexuality in the context of the relationship. From a stereotypical standpoint, guys just want to hit it quick, thank you, ma'am. And, and it's purely physical, right? And that's kind of a default, like what comes to mind when it's primarily a guy, and I could be a woman too. Women have high sex drive as well, of course. But looking at what's driving that drive, is it the desire for closeness, right? It's desire just to connect. Some people are just touchy-feely and that's their love language. And so the more they connect emotionally and physically, the more bonded they feel with that person. And that's just kind of like the love language. Is it purely um, physical from a standpoint of pleasure seeking in terms of they just love the pleasure aspect of connecting with their partner sexually. So really trying to understand like what's driving that need or if it's just, they're just a horny part. They're just wired for high drive. I just need a lot of sex because that's kind of how I am. But are there other factors contributing to that? Which compulsion could be a part of that? Is there some pornography involved that's kind of fueling some of this? Um, so really trying to understand that and then really talk through, well, 
is there a way to meet some of those quote unquote needs or high preferences, but in a different way? So yes, you may want sex, I don't know, let's say twice a day, six days a week, right? Like that's a really kind of, that's a lot for some, right? Um, Okay, is there a way to lower that bar somewhat, but still have some of those high preferences still met, even though at that level, it's just not possible or feasible given where your partner is. So is there a way for room to kind of let's bring that down, but still find ways to meet it. So really kind of talking it through with that person, with a partner, getting his or her feedback on uh, their situation, on their preference, their partner's high preference needs, talking that through and seeing there's room for some solutions and some bargaining and um, and then also non-sexual intimacy as well. Like how much of that is also happening. So not just the actual physical sexual but what about non-sexual physical intimacy yeah holding touching kissing caressing you know those kind of things how much of that is happening and can that fill some of this high preference need even though it's not always sexual it's almost like trying to chase after something that's not really resolving what the actual need is like human connection and the intimacy bonding and attachment when you mentioned the two times a day, in my mind, it popped up like those news reports about people losing their jobs over viewing pornography and masturbating while at work or during meetings, you know? And so when we talk about like, yes, there is a range, some are going to be higher than others. And if there's some kind of behavioral compulsion that is interfering with your other responsibilities in life, like work, (laughs) then- that's going to be problematic and that's more along the lines of some kind of clinical disorder possibly right right yeah so actually the icd 11 yeah has actually added sexual compulsive behavior disorder Mm -hmm. under the impulse disorder section just from what you just mentioned in terms of the impact on a person's functioning and the compulsion so the compulsion is there's this strong urge desire along with obsession in terms of thinking about it, fantasizing, et cetera, causes distress to the person. So they don't want to engage in certain behaviors, but they feel like this urge and they're compelled to do certain things, right? For either a longer period of time or they're engaging in higher kind of risk behaviors, mm-hmm. um, but it's causing distress. It's affecting their relationships. They're missing time from work. They're missing time on responsibilities, on social outings. Hey, you're supposed to meet up with some friends and go play top golf and, you know, Whereas John is supposed to be here like an hour ago and he's yeah. in the basement looking, right? And so how it manifests in terms of on the other side of it, where it's not healthy and it's distressing and the person wants to stop, has tried to stop and just can't, right? Yeah. Kind, of, kind of indications of kind of a clinical condition. The general population and then like, I guess, professionals in this area have been kind of struggling to navigate the question around sex addiction. Is that like a real thing? Right. right. And it's come to the conclusion where the issue is like withdrawal. Does your brain experience and your body experience like a physiological reaction to detoxing from sex? Mm-hmm. And they weren't able to find that, but they are still experiencing clients who are coming in saying, Hey, I have this issue with not engaging in these types of behaviors. We have a whole process that our profession goes through to identify what is an actual mental health disorder or condition. And then once we all do all the research and then come to some kind of consensus and then write it up, we put it in this book. And then that's where all the mental health professionals use to guide their diagnosing and then also billing for like insurance and stuff for treatment. Right. So 
sexual compulsion is more like a behavioral compulsion, not necessarily like a substance addiction that someone would right. experience from like trying to get off of like meth, right? Right. Or like alcoholism or. Yeah, there are some, um, there are some people in terms of in the field, right? Who do believe that it is an addiction and that there is a withdrawal component. Yeah. Um, and that's likened. Um, at least porn, pornography, and what I call porn addiction to like substance use, right? In terms of defect on the brain, in terms of the reward system, the circuitry within the brain, and the chemicals that are released mm-hmm. um, from doing that. And then the withdrawal. So some people said it includes like headaches, restlessness, agitation, yeah. um, fatigue, even depression, right? So it kind of, I guess it depends on what source you're kind of referring to or what author or, or researcher. But yeah, definitely a lot of debate still going on whether it's actual addiction or not. Yeah, and and so right now, how how have they labeled it? Well, I guess they're probably going with the ICD version yeah. of compulsive sexual compulsive uh, disorder. But some people are saying it's an addiction, right? Um, yeah. like Patrick Carnes, you just say, hey, this is sexual addiction. So I guess it's to each clinician's, I guess. Um, still, pre- still up for debate. Still up for debate. Yeah. Um, and it also, I mean, like what also comes into that that category is like a, a i'm using air quotes here um because it's still like a tbd but addiction to like um social media or to gaming or to um you know we even gambling is considered like a um more of a behavioral compulsion yeah. versus like the substance induced addiction Right. right. So there are still a lot of other like behavioral experiences that people have where it is it does become more compulsive and either way it's impacting it's messing with their life. So yeah, <laughs> right. So we're, we're still just kind of like pulling kind of like picking apart the language here. Um, we it is recognized though that people do experience a lot of challenges around it. I think the thing to to kind of be really mindful of in relationships is that you know, I, I hear people using this label like, oh, well, I have a sex addiction. And so you just need to be cool with all the affairs I'm having and the mm. STDs I gave you. No. no. You know, <laughs> so no, that no. that's where it's, it's worth yeah. saying, like, regardless of what kind of uh, label we want to give it, um, even when it comes down to like mental health conditions and disorders, there's still a responsibility of behaviors and decisions Absolutely. that are being made. It may yeah. be more challenging for some versus others, but there's still a level of free will and responsibility. Around yeah. Absolutely. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely have to um, take responsibility and the impact, like you said, the impact on relationships is, is significant, you know, yeah. um, and how it can be detrimental to relationships. So yeah. So if somebody feel like they have something like that, definitely should seek professional help. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, because there's something that they probably have tried to stop on their own and can't, right? And so that could be another sign of, hey, maybe I need to get some additional support and help around this issue. Yeah, exactly. Especially if, if you're saying it's so challenging, then seek proper support. So let's go ahead and talk about what those resources are. Yeah. Any recommendations on like either side? I mean, if people are struggling with the high and they want to calm it down a bit or if they're on the low and they want to boost it up a bit, what do you, what do you got for us? Yeah. So on some basic in terms of what you can like do immediately, right? If you kind of want to boost it up is look at <laughs> reducing the stress levels, right? Increasing exercise, improving diet, right? Classic. 
<laughs> it's a classic three. Those are the classic three, right? Tell us what's um, going on in your life. Do yeah, these three things. Do these things, and that'll take everyone, right? <laughs> um, but also some novelty. It depends on how long a person has been together, a couple, right? Yeah. Um, people can kind of fall into a rut, just like anything. Kind of fall into a rut, kind of get mundane. So just maybe uh, trying a new like position or just trying something, talk about something you know may have had a fantasy about and never really expressed or change the location or try a different scent or just something that you haven't done and see if that kind of adds a little a little spark a little so when you say try a different scent are you talking about like spray some febreze around the room or <laughs> that or perfume cologne candles <laughs> candles um, yeah they got the yeah. massage candles massage, too <laughs> massage, people try massage right start with that start yeah. with some kind of um some slow buildups or start early in the day too right so of course, there's the acts itself, right? But oftentimes it starts earlier than that, kind of, you know, start in the morning, just kind of build up some anticipation around, yeah. around kind of connecting in the intimate way later on that day or evening or what have you, right? And so, um, or maybe it's an outfit, maybe it's a tire, you know? That yeah, it's definitely a very uh, sensory experience, you know? Yeah. So even, I mean, we always talk about mindfulness, Practicing that mindfulness uh, of being very present throughout mm. your day and recognizing your various sensory experiences, and then especially like leading up to any kind of like sexual activity, being very mindful and present and one in that space versus yeah. your mind traveling like, oh man, the dishes in the sink, or you know, like uh, Supreme mm. Court taking away my rights, or where where's the kids? You know, like like right. that's Something's going on, that's right? Yeah. Right, right. So I like that. You can kind of be mindful before, right? That's good. Yeah. So we have some more, we have some more resources for you, a bunch of them on our website on witandreason.com. But thank you so much, Ruben, for sharing your time and your expertise with us today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Glad to be a part of it. (laughs) Thank you. From DC Radio, this is Wit and Reason, and I'm Dr. Alexis. You can visit witandreason.com slash healthy sex to access a variety of healthy sex drive resources Ruben and I put together for you. We have this show and all of our past mental health and wellness shows up on witandreason.com slash DC Radio and soundcloud.com slash DC Radio HD. And because our mission is to make mental health and wellness much more accessible, you can now subscribe to Wit and Reason on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, and of course, along with Apple Podcasts and YouTube. (laughs) Or you can follow us on pretty much any social media platform for clips of our show at Wit and Reason. Let's keep the conversation going.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.